Well, good morning. I want to add my welcome to those of you who are new here today. My name is Alex. Uh, I'm one of the pastors, and we're thrilled if you're joining us for the first time, whether it's in person or online. What we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. This is week two of our series called Living Supernaturally. No better way for you to kick off 2023 then learning to live the way that God designed us to live. And if you're just joining us, last, this might sound a little like floaty or mystical or kind of far off, but we looked last week at what was likely Jesus' first recorded sermon, his first recorded teaching. And in that teaching, he says he's been anointed to live a supernatural life, to inaugurate the year of the Lord's favor. And the year of the Lord's favor, all the supernatural living had very earthy, concrete application. He's like sight to the blind, freedom for the prisoners set captives free. See, the way that Jesus talked and lived, it was like there's the natural life and the supernatural life, and they're not at odds. They're not like foreign to each other. They're meant to be integrated, but they've been separated, ripped apart, and that's not how it was supposed to be. So everywhere Jesus goes, he's bringing these two realities, the natural life and the supernatural life, back together the way they were designed to be. It's like Jesus is a walking, talking, living, breathing zipper. These two things that are separated, that weren't supposed to be separated, that are being zipped back together. He's bringing back together broken spirits, broken minds, broken hearts, broken bodies, right? He's taking these things that are broken and reintegrating them, bringing them back together with his supernatural grace and mercy. That's not far off and distant. It's very, very practical. It's relevant. It's proximate. Everywhere Jesus goes, he's zipping back together things that were never meant to be torn apart. And then when he does this, he gives you that same spirit and says, go be a zipper. Go be a zipper. Turn to your neighbor. Say neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. Say neighbor. Go be a zipper. You were meant to do the same thing that Jesus did. That is to bring God's power, God's life, God's grace to bear to very real proximate situations, challenges, both internally and externally. Living supernaturally is reintegrating things that never should have been torn apart. The life of God, life with God, inside your own heart. And then bringing life with God and in God to a broken and weary world. This past week we had a woman in our church having a major surgery. Like leg surgery doesn't go well, we're talking amputation, right? So this is a serious, serious thing. A lot of us are praying for her. She was super nervous going in. You know what she did while she's getting ready for surgery. She sang a song of worship. This is how I fight my battles. What's she doing? Not just distracting ourselves, my friends. Not just, not just trying to like, ignore the pain. She is integrating worship of God, the peace of God, into a very anxious, difficult situation. Bringing that power to bear in a very meaningful way. The surgery went well. We're praying for the long road to recovery. Listen, living supernaturally didn't sort of miraculously heal her leg, but it did give her the strength to go into the surgery that just might bring healing for that leg. Wherever there is heartbreak, anxiety, disappointment, setbacks, wherever there's opportunity and wide open spaces and all kinds of good things, you and I are invited to bring the life we have with God and in God, his power, his grace, his mercy to bear into our homes, into our extended families, into our workplaces, into your schools, into your circle of friends, into sort of all the things of the world that need that repair work, to zip it up, to make things that are broken whole again. Now, if you're new, this whole like living supernaturally thing might sound kind of weird and foreign and far off. I promise no snake handling today, okay? Like that's not, 
going to be a thing for those of you who are familiar with that tradition. Uh, and this isn't something we talk about all the time. Like for many of us, this is unexplored territory, right? We're kind of pressing into something new. And I wouldn't say that I am like, uh, like an expert in this area as well. This is something that I'm sort of pressing in as well. I've rewritten this thing three or four times like this week. So I'm trying to wrestle with what can we say? What can't we say? How do we live out the supernatural life in a faithful way? But here's what Jesus says. You are invited into a life that's bigger than you know. That there are resources available in God and through God. That God wants to do a work in you and through you. To heal broken things and to be an instrument of his grace in this broken and weary world. And that's going to require strength that's beyond what you can manufacture on your own. Now, some of you are not especially spiritual, right? Some of you are super concrete, super earthy. Like the spiritual stuff just sounds like floaty, whatever. Like you don't, like, the, like doesn't register for you at all. We are so, so glad you're here. Here's what I want to say to you. All throughout history, people following Jesus have made some of the biggest difference in the world in concrete, specific, very earthy, gritty ways. We're talking like abolishing slavery. We're talking about drilling wells for people who don't have access to water. The reason why they've done that is because they believed and knew that these were God's priorities. Like the spiritual life drove them to practical, specific things that made a difference in this world. And on the journey to abolishing slavery or drilling wells for people who don't have access to drinking water, there were all these setbacks, all these challenges. And what fueled them to keep going, for many of them, was a prayer life where they accessed the supernatural power, grace of God to keep them going through the dark, hard days. There is power available to us in God to live the supernatural life. Not crazy miracles all the time, mostly small, simple ways where God's peace, God's grace, God's mercy, God's power gives us the strength to continue to carry on and do the work he's given us to do. Just living supernaturally, doing what we can to reintegrate God's life and the natural life in a way that brings healing inside each one of us and makes us an instrument of healing in the world. That's what we're doing here as we take just some small steps in the direction of living supernaturally. Now today we're going to be in Acts chapter 3, a little backstory. Jesus is resurrected. He is ascended back to heaven. There's about 120 followers being together. God pours out his Holy Spirit onto them. Peter stands up, the apostle Peter stands up, gives one of the most sort of life-changing, world-changing sermons of all time. Uh, 3,000 people become Christians on that day, and the church is off and running. Now, in Acts chapter 3, the very beginning of Acts chapter 3, we get a small picture of Peter and John, these two leaders in the early church, and just what they do with their practices and their habits. And that's what we're going to pick up today in Acts 3, starting in verse 1. starts simply like this. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, last couple of weeks I have gotten around to reading one of those books that everybody talks about or talked about in like all my nerdy self-improvement circles that I'm in, uh, Atomic Habits. It's like one of, those, one of those books that helps you to kind of think about how the small habits you have uh, make a big difference in disproportionate ways down the road. It's a great book. And one of the quotes he leads with is really, really helpful is this one. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. You don't rise to the level of your goals. I can sit here and say, I'm going to run a marathon. If I don't have a plan, if I don't have habits, practices, a system in place to actually get in shape to run that marathon, it doesn't matter what my goals are, right? I'm going to be a couch potato regardless of what my goals are unless I have a system or a plan in place. If you want to get on top of your financial picture, you get, it doesn't matter if you say you want to do that. If you do have habits, practices, a way to track spending and budgeting and those sort of things, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Goals can set you in the right general direction but they can't accomplish the things that you actually want to accomplish. We have to actually find practices. Peter and John here 
had just experienced an amazing thing, tremendous thing. But here we see the practices and habits that are going to help them to remain rooted in the life with God that they were designed for when all kinds of other temptations are going to tug at them, celebrity, fame, popularity, all those other things are going to be pulling at them over the course of their lives. And here's what they do. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they pray. That's what they do. Every day. Rain or shine. Good hair day, bad hair day. They show up. They have these practices, these habits of cultivating a life with God that is going to keep them anchored and rooted and opening themselves up and cultivating this life with God so that they can be zippers, so they can be instruments of that reintegration. The supernatural and the natural are going to flow through Peter and John for the rest of their lives, and they're going to keep drawing on and drawing on and drawing on cultivating this life with God for all their days that they might have these habits and practices that help them to rise to who they want to become because you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And so, my friends, one of the foundational practices for living supernaturally is not super supernatural it's habits practices that help to root us in life with god that's how you live that's a that is one of the ways you live supernaturally show up do the things that you know you can do to open yourself up to the life with god and life in god show up in prayer scripture worship my friends what steps what habits might you cultivate to open yourself up to life with god to living supernaturally what habits and practices might you cultivate to open yourself up more to the life with God? For some of you, you haven't been to church in forever. This is a miracle. It's a late Christmas miracle. And we're so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going to move this from a, we made it once to a habit? What conversation you need to have with your spouse? How do you need to bribe your children? Who do you need to tell? Like what, what parent or sibling or distant family member do you say, hey, I'm showing up at this church and I haven't done church in forever or maybe never, but I want to see what God might do. I want to know if God might meet me here. I want to develop, cultivate habits, practices. You have permission to ask me if I'm showing up. Others of you, you show up quasi-regularly. Other, other practices, habits, maybe a small group or maybe a new prayer practice. Maybe you need to pick up a, a journaling practice or a, a quieter way of praying kind of a practice or maybe you just need to find someone and say hey can we just go for a walk once a week or every couple of weeks or can we get coffee and sort of just talk about life with God and kind of our, my journey and my spiritual journey can we just kind of encourage each other because here's the thing you don't rise to your goals you fall to the level of your systems if any part of you has any interest in living the supernatural life it's going to require cultivating habits where you're cultivating life with God and in God that help lift you up into that supernatural life. Peter and John, they got these habits. They just practiced over and over and over again. They just keep showing up, showing up, showing up. And times of prayer, times of scripture, times of study, that roots them in life with God, that actually opens their eyes in a new kind of way to a person whose life they're going to touch here throughout the rest of the story in Acts 3. Here's verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Many, uh, many years ago, I took a, a seminary class called Lifelong Christian Leadership Development. And the whole, the whole idea behind the, the class was, um, what do people do who, who, who run the race faithfully in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Like, what's a, a map so that as a Christian leader, you don't fall off the wagon, fall off the rails, and kind of plunge into any number of the temptations that you're familiar with that Christian leaders fall into? The class was mostly 20-somethings, and I was probably in my early 30s at the time, and, and my professor was sort of talking to a group of 20-somethings, and some of us are 30-somethings, and, and floating around in sort of Christian world, and then still today, were these spiritual gifts tests. Now, in the Bible, there's a bunch of spiritual gifts lists, and everyone, you want to know, if you're in ministry, what are your spiritual gifts, so that you can use those gifts in ways that are effective and kind of, you know, invest in the right ways, right? So spiritual gifts tests, they ask you kind of questions like, you know, what kind of opportunities come your way, and what, what seems to bring you joy, and what do you have kind of impact? whatever, right? So my professor looked at a group of 20, mostly 20-somethings, and she says to the group of 20-somethings, don't waste your time on spiritual gifts tests. You have no idea what your gifts are yet. If you're in your 20s, your only job is to say yes to everything you can. Yes, just do everything. You have no idea what you're good at. Go, go overseas, go teach the kids, go teach a class, do some evangelism, go pray. You have no idea what your gifts are until you try a lot of stuff. And guess what? Some things you're going to stink at. Great. That's data. That's information. You actually now know that you're not good at things. But some things you're going to try and think you're going to stink at and actually be surprised. Maybe God's going to move through you in ways you never expected. Don't waste your time on spiritual gifts tests until you try a lot of stuff and then evaluate it. A couple years before Peter and John meet this man at the temple gate called Beautiful, Jesus sends out his disciples to try a bunch of stuff. He sends them out two by two, and, and Luke records specifically, he sends them out to, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So the disciples go out two by two proclaiming the kingdom of God, and you know what? They're like teenagers, 20-year-olds. They stink at it. They're a disaster. At least some of them are. I was. But some of them start to discover, you know what? When I proclaim the kingdom of God, people hear it. People respond. Spirit moves. I had no idea. And then they go around and they've seen Jesus heal people. And they say, well, let's heal people the way that Jesus did. And some of them discover um, that they have experience, that they have the ability to heal the sick. It's not always perfect and sometimes things don't all go, go well. But they discover they have this spiritual gift of Healing, although very importantly, after they go on this journey, they come back to Jesus, and several months later, there's a boy who needs healing, and the disciples can't do it. And they call in Jesus, right, the big gun Jesus, right? He comes in, he heals that boy, and the disciples say, why can't we help him? And Jesus says, oh yeah, that kind needs extra prayer and fasting. They failed, they tried, they kept trying, setbacks, get better at it, understand how it works, bring healing, so that by the time Peter and John meet the man begging by the temple gate called Beautiful, they have years of practice, and they know exactly what they have to offer this man. Silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give you. I have the spirit in me that has given me the gift of healing, and that's not some sort of spiritual mumbo-jumbo, right? It's not like, they just need Jesus. They don't need healing. He needs healing, and he gets it, because Peter and John have practiced done this thing, experienced it, failed, reps, practice, try again. 
And sometimes when the natural and supernatural come together through a zipper, something miraculous happens, not always, but sometimes a power is unleashed that changes lives. Now, before we blow past this story, like I have a category, Bible stories that don't happen today, right? Do you have, a, like, do you have one of those? Like things that don't happen today. Like that kind of thing, does it happen today? I don't know anybody that's had that experience. I don't know, I don't, maybe you haven't. Like things, like you, this whole category of saying, hey, this doesn't happen today, or those people are really spiritual or whatever. Before we just blow past the story and keep reading, I want to ask the question, what if it's still available today? Like, what if all that mindset of, that's just sort of Bible stories and spiritual people and that kind of thing, what if all that does is keep us from trying? What if all that does is keep us from taking a rep, practicing? What if all that does is actually take gifts that God might want to do, give you and through you to other people and bottle up and put it in a box and put it on the shelf for you to never unwrap it? Jaime and I were having a great conversation around this because I was really wrestling with this all week long. And he reminded me of this great quote that was uh, from the 1980s, a, a hockey star named Wayne Gretzky. Canadians love him, eh, because they love hockey. And he has a great quote uh, and that was then made even more famous by the great Michael Scott from The Office. So if The Office and Wayne Gretzky are both saying it, you know it's good. And the quote is this, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. You miss 100% of the shots that you never take. My friends, brothers and sisters, I want to invite us to be a shooting community. Take a shot. You have the Holy Spirit. God's given you the Spirit. He said, hey, you're going to do greater things than I did. What if, what if, what if, what if you are here, right here, right now, to step in to the year of the Lord's favor? To step into God's spirit being released in you and through you in ways that you can't imagine. Step in, take a shot through the Holy Spirit, and you don't know what God might do. And yeah, not everyone's got the Holy Spirit. Not, I mean, not, not everyone's got the gift of healing through the Spirit. There's all kinds of different gifts. But you have the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have the gift of healing, you have something else to offer. Someone who's in trouble. And of course, we won't always see a miracle. That's why it's called a miracle. But if we're convinced that we'll never be a part of a miracle, then you will never be a part of a miracle. And of course, healing isn't the only gift that we have through the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit, there's all kinds of gifts we have. There's hospitality, there's service, there's leadership, there's teaching, all kinds of gifts that the Spirit gives us. And none of us has all the gifts. That's why we need each other. But the only way you discover what your gifts are is if you try a lot of stuff and keep trying and seeing what God might do. The only way you're going to know what your gifts are is if you step out, maybe beyond what you're comfortable or think is possible. And maybe, just maybe, the Spirit surprises us. We make ourselves available. Beyond that, it's the Spirit's job to do what the Spirit's going to do, whether that's healing or providing comfort in some other way. I want to invite our church to embrace 2023 as the year of the Lord's favor, where we try a lot of stuff and see what God does as we step into the supernatural life. What if, what if, what if the scriptures say is true? You've got the Holy Spirit. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do. He's gifted you for those works. What if the Lord is eager for each one of us to come alongside into a broken and weary world and be the zipper to reintegrate a broken world that's torn all to pieces in all kinds of ways to be a person who takes new steps and takes new risks to reintegrate the broken and weary world so that it's less weary and broken and more beautiful. This past week I had lunch with someone who... Uh, Retired a few years ago, has, about, has had about 16 years of misery, like ongoing 16 years of misery before they retired. And things have settled down, been settled for like two years. 
And as we're talking, I was getting to know uh, his story. Uh, He said, hey, you know what? Things are kind of quiet now, but you know what? I'm getting a little unsettled. I think I'm a little too comfortable. I think I want to take a mission trip. I'm like, you've had 16 years of misery. You finally get to retirement. Things are finally settled in your life in a really, really good way. Most people want to mail it in and coast for at least a decade. And he's like, I think I'm supposed to go on a mission trip. I'm like, let's go. Send a bunch of uh, missions agencies to, to this person. And, you know, and here's the deal. Like, that might be like a one and done. He might go and be like, that was horrible. Never doing that again. Or he might go and say, this is what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. You don't know until you go. We send out a five-day-a-week devotional around here, an in-house devotional around here called the Connect Devotional. It goes out five days a week, all in-house team of writers who write the Connect Devotional. Most of the people writing on the Connect Devotional have zero history or experience of writing spiritual literature or writing reflexive materials or sending out devotional materials. Every single one of them, well, not every single one of them, most of them have been utterly surprised at how much they enjoy it and what kind of feedback they get. You don't know until you take the risk to write. At least some of the disciples were teenagers, middle school students, high school students. What if God has given you a gift of evangelism that your classmates desperately need you to discover and implement? What if the person behind you is going to get sick this year and needs you to discover you have the gift of healing sometime in 2023 so that you can go pray for them and bring healing to them? What if you have a prayer gift that you're being invited to lean into more deeply so that you might release more grace, more beauty, more of God's truth, more of God's mercy into your family, your extended family, to your neighborhood, to your school, to your workplace? What if, what if, what if there's been a gift of wisdom percolating in you for decades that's now ready to be expressed in some new way? This is the year of the Lord's favor over you and over Chatham Community Church. The spirit is here. You're made in God's image. Jesus has bought you back with his blood, poured out his Holy Spirit into your life, and you have no idea what the spirit might do in you and through you. You have no idea what God's wired you up to do until you try a lot of stuff and see what God might do. So let's lean in. Let's pray. Let's be expectant. You have nothing to lose and everything, everything, everything gained. Knowing, knowing, knowing. This would be trial and failure, right? Peter and John didn't heal every time. They made mistakes. They had to cultivate it and figure it out. Knowing we won't always see miracles. We're not having crazy, unrealistic expectations. But here's what we also know. The Lord is good. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We know that he has given you the power and the invitation to step into his work. That his kingdom might come, his will might be done in you and through you. And then he's given you the Holy Spirit to do it. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do and given you the spirit to do those works. Let's not miss out on any opportunity to do it. What might be a good, beautiful risk that you might take this week, this month, this year in 2023? Just to see what if maybe this is the year of the Lord's favor where you discover new gifts, new abilities. My prayer the last two or three days has been that the, over the next 12 months, gifts just might start popping up, like all across the community, all across the church. New gifts just bubbling up. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea I have so much joy in this. I had no idea God would do this through me and in me. Wouldn't it be beautiful? Wouldn't it be beautiful, my friends, if this next 12 months, you're the Lord's favor. We just saw all kinds of the spirits moving in small, mostly small, subtle ways, right? But in beautiful, wonderful ways where just new gifts were coming up. You were coming alive. You coming alive as you discover the gifts in you, and then people being blessed all around you as you cultivate and step in and offer yourself up to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit might do through you. Peter and John, 
They've taken this risk before. They failed. They tried a lot of stuff. They discovered that they do have this healing gift. They have the ability to bring healing to people. So when the, by the time they meet this guy at the temple gates, they are totally confident in the power of healing. So they heal this man in Jesus' name. But this man's known, right? He, he begs every single day there at the temple gate. And so that causes a bit of a stir. And so a crowd starts to gather around. And Peter starts to interpret what's just happened. Because we don't live supernaturally just for us. Amen? The supernatural life in us and through us is always meant to point to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's exactly what they point to here. Acts chapter 3 as we round out this chunk of the story. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then, turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do you know one thing that's annoying about zippers? They get stuck. I've got this hoodie that I've had for like two years. I can't get it to like get all the way down. Like it's like stuck. Like I, I have to do a pullover. I don't like pullovers. I do a pullover because I won't, I can't get the zip, unzip all the way down. Sometimes zippers get snagged and they get stuck. Do you know what stinks about this world? Things get snagged all the time. Things that don't, things don't quite work the way they're supposed to work. We have a sense that they should work better, but we get snagged all the time. As Peter debriefs this healing, he declares, not our power, not our name, Jesus' name, Jesus' power. And then, as he's addressing the crowd, he recounts what happened right there in Jerusalem just a few months earlier. That they cried out for the crucifixion of Jesus. God raised him from the dead. This man here who's been healed is proof, evidence, positive that Jesus is not just another dead guy. Not just another dead religious guy. That Jesus is God, actually the resurrected Messiah. God has done something totally in Jesus, totally different in Jesus through his resurrection. And what the man here who is healed, this is just a small foretaste of what happens when one day Jesus will come and make all things new. Amen? The healed body, one healed body, just a small foretaste of what will happen when Jesus comes to make all things new. So Peter makes this turn. Hey, y'all didn't know what was going on. You didn't understand what was happening. God knew. And here's the invitation. Here's the call. Repent. Turn to God so that your sins may be forgiven, wiped out. The times of refreshing might come from the Lord. See, my friends, the whole world's been torn all apart. Bodies, spirits, families, communities, neighborhoods, churches, people all over the world try to re-zip it back together, right? You see people working really hard, good intention people, trying to zip things back up to get them whole again. But we keep hitting snags, don't we? All the education, all the legislation, all the money poured into the problems. And listen, we need education, we need legislation, we need money poured into problems. Nothing wrong with that. All kinds of well-intentioned things kind of rolled out. But my friends, they always seem to fall short, don't they? We can't seem to bring the pieces back together again the way that we have a sense that they could be fit together. And the, the snag we bumped up again, again and again is sin in all its different components, all its different expressions. Sin blocks us from the supernatural life. 
barriers, an obstacle. It clogs the arteries of the spiritual life so that we aren't able to enter into it the way that God designed us to. Sin blocks us from bringing healing to a broken world no matter how much we try and want. So as Peter gives his listeners sort of what's going on, he invites them to enter into the year of the Lord's favor. Do you want to know how you enter into the year of the Lord's favor? How do you experience it? Listen, good news. Don't have to do a bunch of push-ups. Don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. It's not prove yourself, get God to like you, and maybe he'll like you. Maybe God will give you his favor. Not a whole lot you have to do. Here's what you have to do. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn away from a life of sin, or even just a life apart from God. Embrace the life with God. Cultivate the life with God. Put away life on your own and walk into the supernatural life God made you for. He will wash away all your sins so that sin no longer blocks you from the supernatural life you were designed for. And then he will pour out his spirit. I love that line, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Anyone use some refreshing today? Anyone just feel like, oh, how nice would it be for renewal, refreshing, for a light spirit, for joy and peace to replace all the other junk I'm carrying around with me. Anyone need some renewal and refreshing today? Repentance. U-turn. Change your mind, change direction. Just means I'm walking away from life apart from God and I'm walking to life with God. If you're carrying sin in this morning, like stuff you know that you've done, doing right now, ongoing, or done recently in the past, you have come to the right place. The invitation today is to repent of our sin, turn to the Lord, that he might send his supernatural spirit to refresh us and renew us, to replace our heavy spirit with his light spirit. And often that repentance involves making things right, right? Like reconciling with people, repairing relationships with people, doing what you can to make things right. Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm gonna call all these people who don't know what they're doing, who are turned away from God, I'm gonna invite you to repent and follow me i want to wipe out your sin and give you my spirit make you a zipper make you someone who's reintegrating life the spiritual life and the supernatural the natural life in your own life and then in the world along with me this morning the invitation to everyone all christians that's how we start the christian life and that's how we continue the christian life is that we might cultivate a life of repentance anytime sin comes to mind we're made aware of sin we turn away from it and this morning if you've never made that first decision like, if you've never made a decision where you're like, yes, I am turning away from life apart from God. I'm turning to life in and with God. I'm so glad you're here. Today's your day. Repent. Turn to the Lord. He will wash away all sin. He will invite you into a supernatural life where times of refreshing might come from him and flow through you to bless a weary and broken world. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see today's wildly important take-homes. First of all, I'll talk about those habits, right? Today's wildly important take-homes. First one is that first question. What habits do you need to cultivate? Might you cultivate this year to cultivate life in God and with God? To be more intentional about that, whether that's coming to church a little more often, whether that's plugging into a small group, whether that's personal scripture study and reading, what practices and habits? Just like Peter and John, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they pray. It's what they do. That's what opens them up to the supernatural life over years and years and years of doing that. And then it allows the supernatural life to flow in them and through them. What habits and practices might you need to cultivate in 2023? Second thing, I want to invite us, all of us as a community, 2023, year of the Lord's favor in you and through you. What's one thing, one thing you could try that would open you up to supernatural life, to living supernaturally? Maybe pray boldly for healing in Jesus' name over someone you know is sick. Maybe there's a new type of prayer practice the Lord wants you to enter into. Maybe you need to think about going overseas. Maybe you need to think about writing for the Connect devotional. Maybe you need to audition for the worship team. Some of you don't need to audition for the worship team. But maybe you do. 
Maybe you need to pray, not only pray for the Lord to open up opportunities to share your faith, but you need to go start conversations about faith. What's your church background? Do you have a spiritual life? Have you ever had a spiritual experience? Start conversations at your school or your workplace to see what the Lord might do. Invite folks to church to see what the Lord might do. Some of our, some of our best evangelists and some of our best bringers and inviters are middle school boys. Who knew? It's a great gift. What if 2023 was the year of the Lord's favor in our church community where all kinds of gifts were just popping up over and over and over again in your life in small, quiet, subtle ways just because we said, sure, we'll take a shot. Sure, we'll step out. Trust the Holy Spirit's at work. God's good, and we'll follow through. We're expecting God to move. Maybe not in crazy, miraculous ways, but we're expecting God to show up because he's invited us into. Finally, lastly, the core spiritual practice, where how we start in the spiritual life and how we continue in the spiritual life, how we continue to kind of keep the arteries clean and clear so the spiritual life flows through us and in us is repentance. And if you've never made that decision, if you've never sort of made that first decision to sort of turn away from life apart from God to turn toward the Lord, so glad you're here. And this morning, if you're carrying in something that's heavy, something that's dark, that you know that you shouldn't be a part of, that you have a conviction in your spirit, this is not from God. The invitation this morning is to repent, turn away from that sin, and leave here lighter. The times of refreshing might come from the Lord, his refreshing, renewing spirit. And my friends, that's how we start the Christian life. It's how we live in the Christian life. That's how the Christian life plays out over the course of our lives. My hope and my prayer for Chatham Community Church in 2023, the year of the Lord's favor, is that we might be a people who will take shots, take risks, see what the Lord might do, see how the Spirit might show up. We're going to fail. It's not always going to work. It's okay. We practice, 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 opening ourselves up, saying, Lord, we trust that your spirit is at work in us. We just want to be instruments and tools of your good work going forward. God's kingdom coming. God's will being done in us and through us as it is in heaven, sometimes in really surprising ways, mostly in small, subtle, beautiful ways. May that be true for us here in 2023 as we cultivate living supernaturally. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, this whole idea of stepping out trust in the spirit. It's scary for some of us. It's new for some of us. Some of us aren't even sure this thing's even real. So Lord, I pray that you and your kindness and mercy would be patient with us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that for those of us who are walking with you, that you would put something in our hearts and our minds that would be a good next step, a, a, a new kind of risk, something that we might step out into and maybe, just maybe, discover you got there first Maybe, just maybe, be surprised by what the Spirit's doing in us and through us. And Lord, even if it doesn't turn out the way that we hoped it would or whatever, Lord, that's learning when we be humble and patient with the process. But Father, I pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and a releasing of new gifts in 2023 across Chatham Community Church, whether here in person or online. I pray for a new releasing and a new movement of the Holy Spirit, a new release, a new movement of the Holy Spirit, new gifts bubbling up, new joy, new peace, new ministries, new leaders, new servants. Come, Holy Spirit, would you stir in us as we take small, faltering steps into the supernatural life. Would you meet us with grace and mercy and strength? Lord, for my friends who are here who know they need to repent of something, who know that there's gunk in their system and their spirit because of where they've been, what they've been doing, Lord Jesus, would you invite us into that practice of repentance and renewal? Lord, would you pour out your spirit of refreshing into our hearts, into our spirits, into our minds to renew us and remake us as we become a repenting community, a renewing community, and a community that's learning to live supernaturally? Would you help us to walk in this way? In the strong mind of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.